Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. think and reflect on this is, have you ever had a season of discouragement? Have you ever had a season of discouragement where you've been discouraged? Or have you ever had a season uh, of dismay? Now, dismay is a bit of an old term. You probably wouldn't use being dismayed or a season of dismay or feeling dismayed, uh, but it's similar to the word discouragement. Have you ever had a season of feeling dismay or dismayed. The word for dismay means to be upset or alarmed. It means to have a loss of courage in the face of trouble. It means to have a feeling of distress or anxiety. It means to lose enthusiasm or to have a sudden disappointment. Maybe you're going through a season of discouragement or dismay today. Uh, The human experience is that we would have seasons of discouragement and dismay. Uh, the author of Ecclesiastes says there's a time to laugh and joy and have fun, there's a time to grieve and there's a time to mourn. So the, the human experience is all of us here would have experienced discouragement or dismay. 2020 was a year of dismay for me and uh, I'm pretty sure for a lot of people here, 2020 was a, a, a season of dismay. Uh, on the 1st of January, my nonna passed away. She died at the age of 90. She had a great innings, uh, but obviously um, it's hard when a loved one does die, and that was my dad's mum. So she died on uh, January the 1st. She, wasn't gonna, she wanted to just push that one more year, so <laughs> January the 1st she passed away. Uh, not long after that, Siobhan's biological father, who we didn't have a great relationship with, as in it was kind of we never really saw him, he died and that caused a whole heap of emotions, uh, grief, guilt, all of those things. March, we were hit with COVID. All of us were hit with COVID. Uh, That seems like so long ago, and we're still wrestling with that. Uh, We had implications here. There was uncertainty. There was stand-downs for certain staff members. Um, In May uh, was another season of dismay and discouragement for me and, and my wife and our family as we had the passing away of my other nonna, my mum's mum, who I was very close to, and then obviously um, Arthur, who was an incredible mentor, pastor and and friend who I deeply miss. And then August, I had uh, a health scare, which I've mentioned a few times, and you probably get sick of me talking about it. But for 2020, it was a season of dismay and discouragement, where I felt flat, where I felt, God, what is going on? And at times, God felt silent. Now, there were also times where I I felt God very present in all of that and and sustaining me, but at times, God felt silent. This feeling of dismay of, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why am I going through this? Why do I have to deal with this now? And I don't know if you can relate to that. This kind of feeling of, why is this happening Why do I have to deal with this? I'm feeling discouraged. There's a sense of dismay. This morning, as we end our series, we end our series on faith over fear, I want us to hold on to that feeling. A time where you feel discouraged, 
maybe a sense of dismay, which creates anxiety and feeling. And again, maybe that's something you can feel even right now. I want you to hold on to that feeling. And as we end our series in Faith Over Fear, I want us to also hold on to this point, that as Christians, we will face hard situations. As Christians, we face hard situations. As Christians, we will face frightening situations. As Christians, we are not immune to trouble. Trouble, hard times, frightening situations, we will face them. The Bible does not say that we will not have to go through any of those things. Look at this passage here in Isaiah 43, and obviously the author is speaking to the people of Israel, but it, 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 it reflects our experience. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep you away. There's a sense this river isn't like a nice little river. It's a storming, flooding river. Uh, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Oh, that's encouraging. I don't know if I would want to even walk through the fire. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And the author there is saying, you will have trouble, you will have problems, you will have sorrows, you will have frightening situations. But then he goes on to say this, and this is the bit that should bring and hopefully brings us encouragement. He says, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. Do not be afraid for I am with you. Now, for a lot of us, we would just rather we don't have to work through any of those things or go through those situations, but we do. Everyone has to. The thing for us as Christians, we have a hope that is assured, we have a hope that is solid, that we know that God is with us. Now, Jesus says something very similar. John 16, verse uh, 3, he's talking to his disciples about his time of leaving, and he says, I've told you this uh, so that you may have peace in me. And then he says this, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Now, he's probably uh, reflecting or speaking more to the fact that being a follower of Jesus, there will be persecution, there will be struggles. If you, if you uh, pick up um, the cross and, and carry it for me, there will be trials and sorrows. But again, the human experience is that there will be trials. In fact, you have many trials and sorrows. And we have to be careful because we've made Christianity almost therapeutic, moralistic, as in, if you, if you behave and do good morals, you will be medicated. It will be therapeutic to be a Christian and life will be perfect. And Jesus doesn't say that. He says, here on earth you'll have many trials and sorrows. But then he says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And then right at the end of uh, Matthew chapter 28, he, he, it's kind of his last mandate and he says, go into all the world, make disciples... Uh, teaching them, baptizing in the name of the Father. And he says this, very similar to the author in Isaiah, he says this, and surely I am with you always, always to the very end of the age. So there's this promise that regardless of our situations, our circumstances, our trials, the things that we're facing, God is with us. God is with us. Faith over fear. We get to choose whether we have faith in these situations or we get to choose whether we respond in fear. Interestingly, I was, I was reading up about fear and, and, and fear in the Bible. It's often referred to as a spirit of fear. 
and then we've probably heard this throughout the, the sermons over the last uh, couple of weeks, that there's a natural fear, a flight and fight response, that we get fear and we move and react. But actually the Bible talks about what is wrong and what is harmful is when we have a spirit of fear. Just like the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us, lives in us, that fear can do the same. That there is a spirit of fear that can live in us and control us and the way we live. Faith over fear. Three boys were asked their definition of faith and and they gave some great answers. One said, faith is taking hold of God. The second said, faith is holding on to God. And the third said, faith is not letting go of God. Each one of those boys is 100% right. It, It is all of that. It is holding on, holding on, holding on. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at one of my favorite verses, one of my favorite verses, and it's, it's not so much, we're not going to get uh, a points of application from this verse, but actually, we're going to get promises to hold on to, promises to hold on to. Not so much points of application, but as we read this, it's just one verse, it's going to give us promises to hold on to, and uh, like I said, it's one of my favorite uh, verses. Chuck Swindle tells the story of four guys who went mountain climbing or climbing up a mountain for the weekend. Uh, in the middle of the climb, one of their mates slipped over the cliff and dropped 60 feet. So whatever that is, 60 feet. Uh, anyone want to do the maths quick? Come on, how many metres? A long way. That's from a school teacher. 40 metres. Okay, we'll go with 40 metres. A long way. <laughs> 60 feet. Uh, and, and landed with a thud, obviously, if you fall 60 feet, you're going to land with a thud, uh, at a ledge below. The other three, obviously, wanting to rescue him, yelling out, Joe, 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 are you okay? He yells back, I'm alive, but I, both my arms, I think both my arms are broken. Not, not great. Uh, anyway, they lower a rope down to him, and they start to pull him up, and just as uh, they, they get close to, they're pulling up him and, and, and they say to him, are you okay? Are you okay? He's like, yes, I'm okay, I'm okay. A couple of um, minutes just before they're about to get up, they realise, hang on a sec, Joe's arms are broken. How, what, how's he holding on to the rope? And they realise that he was holding on with his, what do you think? Teeth. His mouth. Strong teeth. That's why, kids, you should go to the dentist. But but the point is this true story life on the line you're going to do whatever you can to hold on aren't you so much so that he was holding on with his teeth as they pulled him up and I want to relate that to this morning because my main aspect is that we hold on to the promises in this passage in this verse we need to hold on like that guy is holding on to that rope Isaiah 40 verse 10, Isaiah 41 verse 10 is our verse for this morning. Just some quick context there. This is written by King Never, uh, not King Nebuchadnezzar, King Hezekiah. He writes Isaiah 41 and, and actually he was, uh, when he was the king of Judah, uh, he began and was the king at the age of 25. Imagine that, at the age of 25, he was the king of Judah with all its troubles. In fact, he, if you know the history of the king's of Israel and Judah, he was probably one of the most obedient kings, and and he's addressing the, the just to give you some context of the whole p- 
passage or the whole chapter, he's addressing the fact that there is a conqueror coming from the east. He doesn't name uh, who this conqueror is or what this nation is. Most people believe it's probably the Assyrians and they're barreling down. You think of it right now in our current context. Imagine being in, and I can't imagine, I can't, I just, being in Ukraine with 100,000 Russian troops, whatever, again, not making a political statement, but just imagine that. 100,000 troops right on the border. How would you react? How would you feel? And so the, the people of Israel in this situation, they've reacted with fear and discouragement. They've actually, if you read through, through these, these uh, chapters, there's a sense of God, you are silent. And what they've started to do is they've turned to other gods. They've turned to other gods and they start making an appeal to other gods. How often do we do that in life? When we do come in times of tr- discouragement or fear that we turn to another God. Now, we might not bow down and worship a golden calf, but we put our faith in other things. Or we hold on with our teeth with other things, whether it be our own ability to solve a problem, whether it be our own resources of finances and a network of people, whether it be however we, 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 we try to control a situation to get rid of that anxiety or that fear or that discouragement. And so by doing that, if we don't go to God, we're actually going to another God. We put our faith in other things. What gods do we turn to? So let's have a look at the passage, Isaiah 41.10. You've probably all read it, but it's a beautiful, beautiful verse. And maybe some of you, this is the one I tend to text people uh, in times of discouragement. You may have received it from me, but Isaiah 41.10 says this. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, some translations say discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let me read it one more time. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Again, today is not so much to build some application points out of this, but to look at the promises in this passage and hold on to them. Now, let's bridge the context. Obviously, this was written by King Hezekiah, and he was writing it to the people of Israel, who, again, were feeling discouraged and dismayed, who were starting to put their faith in other gods because of this this raging nation around them. But I believe it speaks to us today. In that chapter, uh, Hezekiah says that we are servants, God's, God's servants. We are God's servants. We are God's holy chosen people. We are a royal priesthood, just as he refers to uh, the, the people of Israel. Look at this quote, Isaiah 41.10 says this. It says, it talks about God encouraging and reassuring us not to be afraid of whatever situations we find ourselves in, but trust in him and he will in turn give us strength to overcome. It is a promise God has given to his children because he is more than sufficient all God is longing, uh, all God is longing for, from us is to have trust in Him and take Him by His words. Another quote here, Matthew Henry. I wouldn't necessarily tr- traditionally quote Matthew Henry. He's an old commentary, 
theologian, but he says this, the scope of these verses is to silence the fears and encourage the faith of the servants of God in their distresses. Perhaps it's intended in in the first place for the support of God's Israel in captivity, but all that faithfully serve God through patience and, and comfort of this scripture may have hope. So it applies to us today. And so here we go, we want to hold on to the five promises or the five pillars that come out of this passage. Five pillars of fearlessness from Isaiah 41.10. The first promise is we see in that, he says, for I am with you. Turn to the person next to you and say, I am with you. I can't hear you because you've got a mask on, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> for I am with you. We are never alone because God is always with us. We say that, but do we believe that? We say that, but does our life reflect that? We say that, but the way we make decisions and the way we go about it, does that reflect that? He's with us this morning when we worship Him. He's with us and watches over us when we go to sleep. Even when I'm snoring, He's watching. He's with us, whether we're working, whether we're witnessing, whether we're serving, whether we're at the doctor's surgery or whether we're in hospital, whether we're here in person or whether we're watching online. When we work, when we parent, when we celebrate, when we grieve, He's with us. There is no place on this earth where God cannot be with us, apart from maybe the Fremantle Dockers change rooms. That's probably the only place, but anyway, sorry. Now, the Bible talks about the fact that the presence of God is everywhere, don't we? We know that, and we kind of believe it, I think, that in a general sense, God is omnipresent, meaning He is everywhere, but that's not what this is talking about. It's more than that. When we talk about God's promise, I am with you, we're not talking about the general sense of Him being present everywhere, we're talking about, this is very personal. This is the personal sense to the nation of Israel, but to the Christian, he's talking about the fact that God is with us personally, that the Spirit lives in you. Remember that. When you say yes to Jesus, when you become a Christian, the Spirit of God actually lives in you. You know, in the Old Testament, that was not the case. Moses, Joshua... All of those guys, they didn't have the, the, the Spirit of God live in them. Some of them had it for, uh, for a time. If you know parts of the Bible, that the Spirit would reside in them for a little while. But for, for followers of Yahweh, they didn't have that privilege that we have right now. That God takes up residence in us. He lives in you. So the first promise that we need to remember, that we need to hold on to, is this. The Spirit lives in us, for I am with you. God is with you. The second promise that we hold on to is, I am your God. Turn to the person next to you. Actually, that's probably not a good thing to say, especially if you're married. (laughs) I am your God. It says, be not or do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Another translation uh, says, do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. It's like, don't anxiously or be discouraged looking for another God. I'm your God. I'm the creator, I'm the sustainer, I am your God. This is, there's, there's possession here. 
It's like I'm your husband, I'm your wife, I'm your son, I'm, I'm, I'm your daughter. There's, there's ownership. I'm your God. I'm your God. And he says, don't look at other gods, I'm your God. Don't look at shiny things, don't look at uh, the gods of other nations that may look like they're winning. If, if you read the rest of this passage, he talks about how actually God controls all the nations of the world. He chooses who's in power and he does, and that, that's even hard to understand. But he says, I can turn them off and turn them on as I will. And basically, he says, all other gods, have you seen, uh, um, oh, what's the movie? Tom Hanks' Castaway? You know that movie? And uh, there's a volleyball, Wilson. And he basically says in this passage, all other gods are like Wilson. They're man-made. They're not real. On a side note, don't get on a plane, a boat, or anything with Tom Hanks, because all of his movies end up bad. But he, God says, they're just not real. I'm your God. I'm your God. So firstly, for I'm with you. Secondly, I'm your God. There's ownership. Don't chase other gods. Then the third thing is, I will strengthen you. I will strengthen you. And the word strengthen here means, again, to make courageous. We had uh, Peter's excellent sermon last week on Joshua, uh, to be strong and courageous. There's a call there to be strong and courageous. But here, uh, God is saying, um, I will actually strengthen you. I will give you good courage. I will make you stronger. I will make you stronger. I will strengthen you. Now, this illustration obviously has some... All illustrations have some weaknesses and, and, and this one does a bit as well. So it's like God will put you on steroids without the side effects, okay? The road, ra uh, road rage, roid rage or anything like that. So, so with steroids, it makes you stronger. It makes you run faster. It makes you jump higher. That's why you can't, you're not allowed to take it to compete in the Olympics, it's an unfair advantage. Now, again, there's all the negative side effects of steroids, but it's like God is saying, yes, you have strength, but I will strengthen you. I will give you more strength. You will jump higher, run faster, all that kind of stuff. That strength comes from Him. When God strengthens us, He makes us courageous. He gives us a strength to face up to the battles we face. He makes us courageous in those situations and maybe you, you, we could get lots of people to come up here and tell stories how they didn't believe they could do something or face something or go through something, yet they felt and sensed how God strengthened them in that situation. Has anyone experienced that? It's great. Because God does. He strengthens us. You look at the disciples, pre-resurrection, Peter, the, 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 who was a great disciple, betrayed Jesus three times. Remember that story? The disciples were fleeing and, and hiding. They were scared. They thought all their, their dreams and wishes had, had gone. Jesus was dead. Then Jesus is resurrected. Then the Holy Spirit comes and we see. So the disciples go from hiding in someone's house to boldly confronting the religious leaders of the day saying, you killed Jesus to boldly being thrown into prison. I think uh, all but John was, was, was martyred for their faith. Peter, who denied three, uh, Jesus three times, uh, history says that he was, he was crucified upside down. Why? Because he was strengthened by the Holy Spirit. 
He had a courage to, to preach boldly about Jesus, to take on the trials and, and sorrows. He just, because there was this strengthening, this passage here, Ephesians 3, it's not on your screen, but just listen to the words. In fact, these are the words of Paul. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. The person in front of you, behind you, next to you, that he may strengthen you through what? Through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We have a God that wants to strengthen you. A God that is with you, a God that is your God, a God that says he will strengthen you. The fourth thing it says there is not only that, I will help you. I will help you. Turn to the person next to you and say, I will help you. Actually, I think the NIV actually says, oh yeah, it does. Surely I will help you. It's almost like... um, Jesus tells a parable about how uh, even, a, even a parent would do good things for their children. You know, he doesn't give them a stone when they want a piece of bread or a snake when he wants a lollipop. Like, it's, it's parents do the good things, you do the right things. Wouldn't you believe that God would do this? That God would do that? That God would help you? So he's saying, surely I will help you. God doesn't just make us courageous. He doesn't uh, just send us in the battle uh, without that strength. And just says, okay, I'm watching you, you're on your own. Yes, he says, I'm with us. And then he provides, he brings divine help. Divine help that God actually, not all the times, and sometimes that's a bit of a mystery, but he intercedes, he he actually, he comes into a situation and actually brings divine help. And again, uh, we could have testimony after testimony where God steps in and actually makes things happen. And again, maybe you've experienced that in your life. Now the thing about this is this requires faith, not fear. God helps us to the point of our need. We need to step in faith. You think of the story of Moses who leads the people, uh, the Hebrews, out of Egypt. You know the story, let my people go, let my people go. He supported him, he provided him with with things, that little rod, and, and then finally the people leave, they're off, and what do they come to? They come to where? Oh no, the Red Sea. Now, they're not 100% sure how many people from uh, estimates from uh, the the Hebrews were 100,000 to a couple of million people. Don't get caught up into that too much, but the the bottom line is they're trapped. The Egyptians are coming behind. I need some help here, Jesus, or God. What are we going to do? Moses steps out in faith, and obviously, you know the story. God provides, He helps. The sea opens and the people pass through. We need to walk by faith. When we're stuck, we must look to Jesus. Not to other gods, not to little g-gods, but to Jesus. He's the one who helps because he is with us wherever we go. So there we have four, for I'm with you. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. And then the last one is I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And again, this sounds to me wonderfully personal, personal, that he would uphold me. And, and it says the right hand, this isn't, no, no dig on left-handers, 
Um, but the, the right hand was seen as stronger. The right hand, uh, even in blessing and handing over of inheritances and honouring, it would be done with the right hand. So this, this sense that the right hand of God is the one of strength. And, and again, no offence to left-handers, but, but that's, that's the, the, the symbolism behind this. But the point is this, that God will uphold you. You need to allow him to uphold you. I think a, a, few, a few months ago, I think I was talking in the sermon with Kate about um, a life, lifeguard, to be a lifeguard. She was the only person who put her hand up that had a bronze medallion and there's a lifeguard. And I know that's not true because there's some other people who have it. But one of the things when you're rescuing someone, they have to, they ha- if they're trying to save themselves, you can't save them, can you? And they'll drown you. And, and, and Jesus can't uphold you if you're trying to uphold yourself. If you're trying to find it in other gods, this is an incredibly personal, wonderful, wonderful promise that he will uphold you. For I'm with you. You know, my 2020, I guess, sorry, I'll, I'll come back to that. For me, 2020, I've, in parts of that, it was I didn't see God, but coming through it, I could see where God upholded me with his righteous right hand. For I'm with you, he says there, so don't be afraid. I'm your God, so don't look for other gods. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you and surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so we could state these five pillars or these five promises a different way. Look at this here. For I am with you, God is with me. I am your God, God is my God. I will strengthen you, God will strengthen me. Surely I will help you, God will help me. Surely I will uphold you, God will uphold me. We hold on to these promises. We hold on to these promises. And in fact, we could drill down even more on these five pillars or these five promises because uh, the, the main clause there at the start is to what? Fear not. So we had to fear not. And God says, because if we fear not, you get all... You don't be afraid because of all these things. God is with me. God is my God. God will strengthen me. God will help me. God will uphold me. And so really, we take it another step. And it's fear not, God is with you. Fear not, God is your God. Fear not, God will strengthen you. Fear not, God will help you. Fear not, God will uphold you. We need to hold on to these beautiful, incredible promises. For I'm with you. Yep, God is with me. Fear not, God is with me. I'm your God. Yep, God is my God. I don't need to fear not because God is my God. Fear not, God will strengthen me. Surely, surely I help you. Yep, God will help me. Fear not, God will help me. Surely I'll uphold you. God will uphold me. Fear not, God will uphold you. And maybe if you're in a time of discouragement or distress or, or you do have fear, maybe this is something that you almost want to recite every morning. Instead of looking on Facebook when you wake up and get up or, or, or open your eyes, recite these promises. Hold on to these promises of God. Have a look at this picture here. It's um, Braden. No, it's not. It's some guy doing a tug of war 
And I want to say to us this morning, hold on to God's promises. Hold on to the promises that we've just went through, the five of them. Hold on like you're in a tug of war. One of the main events at Sports Fest every year is the tug of war. And you see these competing teams, churches, and, and, and there's two teams in their pool and it's pull, pull, pull and... You can, and they're just holding on, the facial expression, holding on for dear life, because that's what it is. God holds us, so the Bible says that Jesus holds us in his hand, but we need to hold on to the promises, because when we don't hold on to the promises, we get distracted. We focus on the fear, we focus on the discouragement, and we look to other gods. I don't know your situation or your circumstance this morning, but I know that it would be similar to mine. I know that every single one of us needs to hear this, that we need to hold on to the promises of God. Hold on when your pathway is lonely. He sees you. He knows the journey you've walked. Hold on, you're not alone. He's your God and you're his child. Hold on when your prayers are unanswered and God feels distant and remote. Hold on. Hold on when the temptation comes to run to other gods out of fear and wanting to control or, or, or to, 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 to change things. Hold on. Hold on when you're tired and exhausted. He will strengthen you. He will uphold you. Hold on in your pain and sorrow. And Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Hold on when you're confused and afraid. God says that he watches over his own. Hold on when you're under attack and it feels like the whole world is against you. Hold on. No weapon formed against you or against me shall prosper. Hold on when sickness and illness come, because it will come. It will come. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Hold on. Hold on because his kingdom will not fail. Hold on because he rules. Hold on because he reigns. Hold on because he sits on his throne and he will prevail. Hold on. Romans 8, 31 says this, the words of Paul. What then shall we say to these things? He's talking about a whole list of things about separating us or what God can do. God, if God is for us, We've just read five different aspects of how God is for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? Hold on. Like you're in the fight of your life. Don't give in to fear and allow God to be your God. Let's bow and pray. Most gracious Father, we again come to you and thank you. We thank you for your word. Your word is like a, like a healing ointment that just brings encouragement brings healing and soothing Father we want to hold on to these promises in Isaiah 41 10 you encourage us to not fear 
because you say you are with us for I am with you father may we experience that in a real and tangible way where we know that father your word then says for us to not be dismayed or discouraged because you're our God thank you that you're our God that we do have a God who's not distant and remote, but a God that claims us. There's ownership there. Your promise here says that you will strengthen. Hands up right now if anyone needs to be strengthened. All of these people, Lord, have put their hand up, but they want to be strengthened. Your word promises that in their time of need that you would bring strength. Bring strength to these people right now, I ask Jesus. Your word also says that you would help. Hands up if you need help this morning. Practical help, finance, health, or or, or relational. Lord, the hands that have gone up again, they're asking for your help, Lord. Your word promises. And there, Lord, it says that you will uphold us with your righteous right hand. If you're tired this morning, if you're exhausted, You've almost run out of petrol. The empty light's on. Put your hand up. Because Jesus wants to uphold you. Lord, I pray for all these people right now with their hands up, Lord, that you, your hand, your righteous right hand, would almost, that they would even feel it come up under them right now. And hear you say, you've got this. You will carry them. You will hold them up. You're weary, if you're tired, if you say to come to us, come to you, Lord, and, and I pray that we would do that. Father, this week, may we hold on to those five, five pillars, those five promises, that we would live life of one that has faith and not fear. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said,